Good morning, church family. Thank you to uh, Jerry who uh, read our scripture reading from uh, our um, online service for um, representing so many of our church family that are uh, out there in our online service. You know, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and poured forth his spirit and gave birth to the body of Christ on earth, the church family, including New Hope Kailua, he gave us two ongoing commands for the life and worship of the church. Have you thought about that? We often call them ordinances, two ordinances for the church. The first is baptism. You know about baptism. Jesus calls every one of his followers to be baptized, to um, express to the world their personal faith in Jesus. And the, the meaningfulness of baptism is that it, it identifies with Jesus in his death. You go under the water. With his uh, resurrection, you come up out of the water and you live a new life with him. That's one of his commands. And by the way, if you uh, haven't been baptized, I'd encourage you... Uh, to uh, let us know we can still do baptisms during the pandemic. And uh, all of us are called to, to follow Jesus by being baptized. That's one of his ongoing commands for the church. But baptism is designed to be a one-time event. Uh, yeah, it's okay to, be, uh, to rededicate yourself maybe and to uh, be baptized a second time. But it's not designed to be something you do every week or every month or several times a year. On the other hand, the other ordinance that Jesus gives us, the other ongoing command for the life and worship of the church is the Lord's Supper, communion, sometimes called the Eucharist. This was the one command he gave the church to practice regularly in their life of faith and worship. And just the fact that it's the one ongoing shows us the importance of this command to our lives. Jesus invites us to a spiritual meal. Yes, there's physical emblems, the bread and the wine, but it's really a spiritual. He invites us to, to feed our souls at his table, to meet with him and, and ultimately to feast on him. But the Lord's Supper is Jesus' invitation to you and me this morning during this time of pandemic to feed our souls on Jesus, to revitalize our spirits, to energize our hearts, to strengthen our inner spiritual life because it's a a spiritual meal. And so we're going to do that this morning. And I want us to see that as Jesus invites us to his table, he invites us to feed on him, to feed our spirits in three ways. And you can follow along in your notes because the first way that we feed on Jesus is that we relive, we relive the foundation of our faith. Let's read together when Jesus instituted this and we'll see that what Jesus calls us to do as we feed on him as we strengthen our inner spiritual life for all that God has called us through during this season, he calls us to relive the foundation of our faith. Listen to what he says when he institutes it in Luke chapter 22. Jesus took bread, and of course this is Jesus' command, his invitation, his calling. Jesus took bread, one of the elements, he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus roots our faith in a historical event. His body, his blood, his person, and yes, the cross, because he's speaking about going the very next day. He's anticipating his crucifixion on the cross and then his resurrection three. But it's a historical event. Now stop and think about that for a moment. 
This is really powerful. Our faith is rooted not in some system of ethical principles, some moral code. You know, to live as a Christian is to kind of live this ethical system, this moral code, this set of principles. No. Our faith is rooted in a person, the living Jesus Christ, his body, his blood, his sacrificial gift on the cross, something that happened in history, a person and an event that happened in history. But as he asks us to relive that, as we take the bread and as we take the cup, he's asking us, he's inviting us to enter personally into the event of the cross, to enter personally in our relationship with him because he calls it a covenant. This is a covenant, a relationship. And um, the, the background to the, the uh, Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper or, or communion, is rich with the idea. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, he's asking us to identify personally with what happened on the cross, to in a sense relive it personally in our lives. Let me just remind you that, that what he did was he took two, the two elements of the Passover meal. It was a Passover meal, but he took the bread and he took the wine and he gave us a whole new living memorial of redemption. Israel had their living memorial of redemption. It was a Passover. And uh, if you read the instructions of the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, Israel was called in every generation. There was that foundational historical event of being called out of Egypt into a covenant relationship with God. And the last judgment on, the, on, on Egypt was the, uh, the uh, death plague over the firstborn, and they were to put the blood of the sacrificial lamb over and be delivered from death and all of that. That was their living memorial. But they were in, to enter into it. You read the instructions of the Passover, and they were in every generation to put on their travel clothes as if they themselves had come out of Egypt. They were to take their cloak and tuck it into their belt and they were to put on their sandals. They were to put on their... And as a family, they were to act out as if they were participating in the very first redemption. Listen to what Gamaliel wrote about this. He was uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, seminary professor, a Jewish scholar, and, and Paul was one of his students. And he says this about the Passover. He says, In all generations, it is the duty of a man to consider himself as if he had come forth from Egypt. wasn't just recalling a historical event, the, the start of our people. No, it was, it was you enter into it personally. You live this out and recognize that you are a redeemed person. You're a rescued person of the Lord. And that's the idea when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. He's saying, you live this out in the, your own life. You stand at the foot of the cross and you identify personally with my love for you and my sacrifice for you. And my relationship with you, because this is the new covenant. And so it's entering personally and reliving personally his love and his sacrifice at the cross. Perhaps the best way I can uh, illustrate this or identify with it is, um, you may too if you're a married person, when Martha and I go to a wedding and we watch another couple get married, there comes a point in the, in the ceremony where they state their vows to each other. And when we're sitting there watching them state their vows, it's not just kind of, oh, isn't that cool? They're making a lifelong commitment to each other, and we're, we're participating and supporting in that. But you know, as I watch, uh, this is kind of regular for us, as I watch somebody else make their vows, I'll, I'll just reach over and I'll take Martha's hand. <laughs> and as they make their vows, I'm kind of renewing in my heart our vows. And uh, as they say, you know, in sickness and in health and in, in, well, and in riches and in poverty, and I'm saying, yeah, God, I'm still committed to her. 
and we're kind of renewing in our, we're entering into our commitment. We're reliving that personally, even though it's somebody, that, that's something with what community, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, enter into it personally, identify with it personally, stand at the foot of the cross and recognize what other verses there is in your scriptures, that there is no greater love than this, than Jesus giving his life for you. And so we're invited to, as we come and, and, and take the emblems, to relive it personally in our lives, to identify with Jesus' love. And, and uh, we can do that with hymns. We can do that in our thoughts, in our minds, in our worship. But I, I love the hymn writer who says, see from his head, you, you stand at the foot of the cross, see from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? And then the response... Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my heart, my life, my all. And so we stand at the foot of the cross and we identify with Jesus' love and we give our hearts of love back to him. We relive, if you will, that historical event of the cross, but we relive it personally. We identify with it. We participate with it. We enter into it and it changes our lives Freshly, we feed on Jesus. That's one way. There's a second way. Not only do we relive personally the event of the cross and Jesus' love for us, but we also realize his presence with us. Do you realize that when we come to the communion table, the communion reveals the presence of Jesus with us at the moment, during this day, during this pandemic, during everything that we're going through. We feed on Jesus by realizing his presence with us. This is revealed in uh, Luke chapter 24. And I want to take a moment to read this story because it's an amazing story. Jesus, just three days after, he institutes the Lord's Supper. Goes to the cross the next day. Friday night he's crucified. Sunday morning he rises from the dead. In one of his resurrection appearances, he reveals himself to two of his disciples, but in the Lord's Supper, in the breaking of bread, in the communion. One of the very first resurrection appearances is to say, do you realize that I've risen from the dead and I'm with you? And they see it in the breaking of the bread. Let's read it. It's there in your notes. It's in Luke chapter 22, where he says, now that same day, what's that same day? It's the resurrection day. It's resurrection Sunday. It's what we call Easter Sunday. Two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking with each other and talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, what happened? The resurrected Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. The resurrected Jesus was walking with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. They didn't recognize who he was. They were kept from doing so. Until we'll see when. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and faces downcast, sad banana faces. Their leader had been murdered, had been killed. He says this, one of them named Cleopas, Cleopas uh, uh, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. 
But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. An empty tomb, but no visible Jesus. And then what happened? Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer those things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Everything had led up to Jesus. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going to further, and they urged him strongly, Stay with us. Stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And he went in to stay, and he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table, catch this, he's at the table with them. He took bread. He gave thanks. Does that ring a bell? That's what he did when he instituted the Lord's Supper. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke the bread, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized it was Jesus who was the resurrection, but it was through that act of communion. They recognized his presence with them, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning toward us while we talked with them on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem, there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. Jesus is resurrected from the dead and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and catch this, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And so one of Jesus' resurrection appearances was to remind us that he is with us. And uh, although we don't see him visibly and he could appear tangibly, but he's... The bread and the cup are a way to reveal and to remind us and to renew us that the resurrected Christ is vitally with us. Jesus was the one himself who said, Lo, I am with you always. And he rose from the dead and we, we feed on him, we come to his table, we realize we relive our, pay, our faith personally from the cross, but we realize that he's with us vitally in every circumstance. And... Um, I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you because you're very much like me. We need him daily. We need his presence daily in our life with extra with all of the stuff that we're going through with this pandemic. But every day we need Jesus with us. And Jesus gave us an image of his resurrection presence with us. Uh, the vine and the branch, an organic agricultural image where he says, I'm the life giver. The vine, the life comes up through the vine and it flows into the branch and it produces fruitfulness. That's my relationship with you as the resurrected Jesus. And as we're connected with him as branches, his life flows into us and produces fruitfulness. What kind of fruitfulness? Well, certainly the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all the stuff we need to get through the pandemic and all that we need to get through through life. And he is vitally present. I was reminded this last week of uh, a wonderful event, uh, a lady I know, her name's Marie. And um, she is trusting in the resurrected Jesus with her. And you know what happened with her is, is uh, God blessed her. She got pregnant. But as she was getting her medical diagnosis, they discovered cervical cancer while she was pregnant. 
And so uh, the doctor was actually advising, you know, this cervical cancer is, is uh, deadly to your own health. What the doctor advised was to abort the child and to have surgery to remove the cervical cancer. Well, she was relying on, on the resurrected Jesus in her life, and, and she said, Jesus, I'm going to trust you, and I'm not going to destroy the life of this child. I'm going to trust you and delay the surgery until after childbirth. And that's what she did. And guess what happened? As she trusted the resurrected Jesus in the circumstance of her life, she gave birth to a beautiful child. It was near Christmas, and so she called her child Holly. <laughs> and, and when she went back to, to, uh, be, uh, to uh, embrace the surgery, they found no trace of cancer. The cancer was totally gone, and Jesus had healed her. And um, just one example of how we need to rely on Jesus in every circumstance in life. He is resurrected from the dead. He has all power. He has all love. And the communion emblems say, come and feed on me. Come and feed on me. Uh, my body, my blood, my love for you, my presence with you. And uh, we wanted to uh, invite some of our church family who, um, some of them aren't able to attend on Sunday mornings. So we asked them just to share by video how Jesus, uh, how communion helps make Jesus real for them in their lives. So take a look at some of these short uh, messages from our loved family members. Aloha, church family. How does Jesus make communion real for me? Well, I trust and believe in Jesus' words in the Bible, which are very real for all believers. In reference to communion, his words that he spoke in John 6, 54 are very real to me when he stated, whoever drinks my blood and eats my flesh will have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. So when I think of communion, I think about spending life eternally in heaven with Jesus in the last day when he comes back. And I also remember he laid his life down for all of us so we would have an opportunity to have eternal life. I hope all of you stay safe and well, and I pray that Jesus blesses every one of us, all church families all over the world, who truly believe that resurrection is definitely a plan for all people who live godly, holy lives. And please, Remember him by doing communion. Have a nice day. For me, communion is a time to remember um, Jesus' unconditional love um, and his selfless sacrifice on the cross for my sins. Communion makes Jesus real to me. It makes me think of the blood that he shed for me and how he suffered. It helps me to be grateful for the forgiveness of my sins. It helps me to want to be more like him. It helps me to know him and his love will never leave me. It helps me to know that when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When taking communion, we must take time to prepare ourselves spiritually. For the communion gratefully recalls Christ's loving sacrifice for you and me. Let the reality that your sins are forgiven motivate you and me to serve him better. When Jesus comes back, what will he find you doing?
when I thought about it, um, I figure, I mean, it's not complicated for me. Um, communion reminds me of um, basically love, Jesus' love, his sacrificial love for me. Uh, the first communion was the Last Supper, and we know what that was a prelude to, um, him going to the cross, and he went to the cross for me. Um, like John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So he loved the world and that's me included. And um, again, it just, God is love, Jesus is love. And it reminds me of his sacrificial love for me that he loved me so much he went to the cross can we give a hand to those folks who just shared? i got to tell you that um, it's a great thing just to involve church family members who aren't able to be here on Sunday morning, but um, many people feel led out or pushed out of their comfort zone to, to share testimony, to, to uh, film. So I just want to thank those that are willing to just share in that way and, and encourage us all about uh, communion being a way to feed on Jesus and a way to make his presence real in our lives in so many different ways. So there's an element when we come to his table this morning, there's a past element where we, um, we relive that historical event, but in a personal way, and we enter into that relationship with Jesus that was foundational, uh, um, received, and, and accomplished through the cross. So there's a past element and there's a present element that we realize his presence with us in these emblems. But there's also a future element. It covers all time spans, if you will. There's the, the recognition and remaining ready for Jesus' second coming. Because when he gave us this feast, if you will, and he said, come and feast on me and feed your souls on me, he says, remember that I'm coming again. And so we see, we see in the notes, Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day in the future when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom in the fullness of what he is coming to do at his second coming. And so it reminds us that we do this, as Paul says, for whatever you, whenever you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We continue this feast but in anticipation of Jesus' return as king, and he has already won the victory. This is how it feeds our soul. He, he's won the victory over death. He's vitally present with us. He's forgiven us our sins. He's given us the gift of eternal life. He's there for us in every circumstance. He's won the victory over death, but he's won the victory over history. He's won the victory over eternity. And when he comes, he's going to set all things straight. He's going to make all things new in an entirely new universe, a new creation, a new heavens, and a new earth. And that's our destiny. And that will strengthen our soul with whatever we're going through now because it's only until he comes and then it'll be whole and it'll be new and it'll be perfect and it will be joyful and loving in its fullest sense. So he gives us hope as we feed on him about the fullness of what he's coming to do. How should you and I live? in light of that. How should it change our lives if we come and enter into personally and anticipate the return of our king? Just two quick things. Two quick things. Number one, Jesus told the story. How do we live in light of the return of our king? How do we remain ready for his coming? Jesus said, serve him faithfully. Serve him diligently. You can read it in Mark's chapter 13, other gospel accounts too, where Jesus says, he gives a little story. He says, a man is going off to a distant country 
And he gives all these assignments to his servants. They all have a job to do. They all have a ministry to do. They all have a life to live for their master. And he says this, nobody knows when the master is coming back. But when that master comes back, you better not be sleeping on the job. You shouldn't be distracted or derailed. You should be faithfully serving your master in all that he's called you to do. Serve him faithfully. We don't know when he's coming. It could be this afternoon. It could be this week. It might not be for a number of years. It may not be in our lifetime, but it may be. And the issue is simply this. Serve him faithfully. The second thing I just want to point out when, when we look at living in light of our returning king is what John says in 1 John chapter 3, and we can summarize it this way when he says, live in purity. Live in purity, in purely, purity of thought, purity of motive, purity of action. Why? Because our coming king is pure, and he's coming with the refining fire. So let me just read these verses. They're in 1 John chapter 3. John says this, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. And communion is a reminder how great the love that Jesus has for us. That we should be called children of God because of our faith in Christ. We're adopted into his family. We're in relationship with him. We're his kids. What an awesome gift. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. But he says this, dear friends at New Hope Kailua, now we are children of God, and what we, sh- what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Jesus appears, when Jesus appears, when our returning king comes, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him, what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. So this is a reminder to live a life that honors him, purity of thought, purity of motive, purity of action, because the coming king, our coming king, is loving and he's pure. So live a life that honors him. And all of this is involved with feeding on Jesus this morning, reliving personally his love for us in the cross, uh, realizing his presence with us in the circumstances in your life. Maybe you've forgotten or wondered, is Jesus really with me today? Yes, he is. And thirdly, to remain ready, to remain steadfast for the anticipation, in anticipation for the coming of our king, to love his appearing because he's coming again. In all of these ways, we're going to feed our souls this morning. As we uh, enter into the elements, and, and I hope this morning you received, if you didn't, you can just raise your hand and uh, one of the ushers will give you, we've got these little prepackaged uh, communion emblems. It's, they're uh, tiny but again, this is a spiritual meal. These are just emblems of spiritually what goes on in our heart and our faith and our response to Jesus. If you're at home, uh, I want to invite you to take your own communion emblems and, and celebrate as a, as a, a family or, or whomever you're ga- gathered with. This is an opportunity to feed on Jesus. So I want us just to um, worship him for a moment as we watch this video to prepare our hearts to take the emblems to respond to Jesus' invitation to come to his table and to feed on him. Take a look.
I'm going to invite you to stand, and um, if these are new to you, there's actually two little layers to peel off. There's a layer at the top that will release a wafer that speaks of Jesus' body, and then there's a second one to peel off that will um, release the juice that speaks of his blood. But let's pray together and respond to Jesus' invitation to come to his table, to have a meal with him, to feed on him, and to have him strengthen and revitalize our lives of faith. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us this feast. It's a feast because you are in it. You're our life. You're the one who loved us and gave your life for us and loves us daily. Thank you for the love that went to the cross for each one of us. Thank you that you love us 
and gave yourself for us. Thank you for your living presence in our lives, Lord, and strengthen us by your spirit to trust you in every circumstance, to know your presence, to know your care, to know your provision, to know everything that we need because you care for us. And yes, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our returning king. Strengthen us to, to live in a way that honors you and reflects your presence in our lives. And so, Lord, we take these emblems gratefully. Your body broken on the cross, your blood shed for us, your life in us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.